What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back hey, to the Podcast. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Josh Shabanoff, you guys. Welcome back to the world of Man of the Hour. Too sweet to the South. We got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. It is UFC 295 week, ladies and gentlemen, going down this week in Salt Lake City. We got a bunch of news as well as UFC one to go over. As always, you're brought to, brought to you by two fantastic sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. Rogue Energy, keep me fueled up, keep me going throughout my day, keep me hitting the gym, and it can keep you ready with code SOUNDOFF for 10% off. However, Elixir.com, code SOUNDOFF as well for 10% off all their HHE Delta 8, Delta 9 products. They've got it all over there. They'll keep you calm. And uh, look, man, I mean, both uh, both sponsors are going to have the link down below if you guys want to go ahead and check them out. And again, code sound off for both, 10% off. Angel, last Saturday night from the O2 Arena in London, England, Tom Aspinall, Tommy Aspinall, man, he took a year off. He had to recover after, after the knee injury. plates. almost a year to the day, almost a year to the day, he returns. His home country, and he gets a first-round knockout win. Angel, what do you think about Tom Aspinall returning in style? This is this is what he had to do after being gone for almost exactly a year, and then back right where it happened. It was perfect. And look, this is what I probably expected. And I said it, man. Marcin Tabora has reached a level at times, and it's capped off. It's just simple as it is. He's good. He'll beat everybody else. Everybody who's unranked. We'll find a lot of success. Obviously, Sergey Spivak win has aged very, very well. But outside of that, man, no incredibly notable win as far as ranked guys. I mean, I guess at one point in time, our boy Andre Arlovsky, but not these days, sadly. That was back in 2017. Yeah. But if, if you look at his history, man, I mean, Tom Aspinall lost, Alexander Volkov lost, and Romanov, now that we've known that he was going through personal stuff, you know, he kind of has an asterisk by it, but not really because he's still got the win. We'll go even off, obviously, out the door. Walt Harris, you know the story there. Greg Hardy, no longer in the UFC. Ben Rothwell, old. But to give credit back to Tom Aspen, to kind of wrap it back. Fuck, he looked great, man. Right where he left off. This is exactly where you want. It's almost like he never left. Uh, he's put himself in a position once again to, uh, to, to be in, in those contender title conversations. Uh, I think the big conversation that was coming out of this, though, Josh, was, okay, Tom Aspinall's back. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from here? What's the correct move? We have Sergey Pavlovich, we have Surogan, and uh, oh my God, is it Spivak going down in France? Right? Yeah. You're in, a, in a few months. We know Johnson to fight Stipe. Is Tom going to fight the winner of Jones Stipe, or is he going to get the winner of Gone Spivak? I really don't. I I I really do think no matter what, Josh, the right answer is not. Jones or Stipe. I think uh, for me, it's actually either. I think it's, it's probably fighting the winner of Solar Gone, Sergey Spivak. Or here soon, we have a Jackson Almeida versus uh, Curtis Blades. I can see the potentially the winner of that also getting a fight there. Uh, if not, uh, you know, also once again in that conversation with those names. Uh, either way, all of those guys are intermixed. They'll all end up fighting each other at some point unless John retires post a Stipe fight if he does win. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of um, there's a couple of different options here. Obviously, the, like you mentioned, he called for the winner of Cyril Gon, uh, Sergey Spivak, which is the the smart move if I were him. That is certainly what I would personally do in that position. Uh, obviously, he's already beaten Sergey Spivak. He knocked him out in the first round back in uh, September 2021. 
and then obviously for Cyril Gaon, I mean, that's kind of a kind of a perfect matchup for anybody who has any sort of ground game and heavyweight division. Um, yeah, man, I think I think that's kind of the ideal one I would like to see. Uh, I don't think they should have. Um, oh my God, you mentioned Jailton Almeida and Curtis Blades. Uh, I don't think they should have those. The winner of that fight, Tom Aspinall. I just think this the Cyril Gaon. Uh, Sergey Spivak winner makes a lot more sense, especially you, because you don't want you don't want Aspinall to get his revenge against Curtis Blades. I mean, I think that fight will happen down the line anyway. I, I mean, after after Curtis Blades obliterated his leg without effort, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dude, Curtis Blades was so powerful in that fight that his sheer magnetic force of entering the cage <laughs> blew out. Where's the PFL smart cage to let us know about? <laughs> is that, that that force field he had around him, right? Yeah, this is the time where the PFL smart cage used to fucking swoop in and just tell us, like, hey, Curtis Blades, this is why that happened. You, know? you actually no, don't know this, but uh, Curtis Blades is part of the X-Men. That's why he <laughs> you didn't have to touch him. He's actually the first mutant on the UFC roster. Granted, well, you can make an argument for, uh, for uh, what's his name, Francis or... Uh, or TRTV tour, they were also a part of. The <laughs> well, I, think, I guess they were part of the the super zero program back in the military back in the day. But oh, fuck that, dude. Francis Francis Ghana was like Magneto, dude. Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> is it Magneto, dude? That dude was uh, what's his name? The one who runs through walls and shit, Juggernaut. Oh shit! Yeah, that that makes that makes more sense. Yeah, but and, anyways, uh, off comic books, Angel. <laughs> We can't, we can't, for the last time I told you, we can't start the show talking about comic books, you know, but, um. Well, shit, dude, if I can start, if I can start talking about the show about cock, then I can at least start talking yeah. about comic books. <laughs> jokes aside, jokes aside, man, I, th- I think the Tommy Aspinall versus Cyril Gonsorigas feedback makes more sense just because I think they view him highly, and I think they also know that, like, he's yeah. got that fire behind him right now. He's got, he's got a nation behind him, and also, like, there's times where, like, that'll happen and you can kind of like see that the UC knows that like the fans from that place may be behind him, but they're not sure about their talent level. We kind of saw that with, we're seeing that with Patty right now where they're trying to figure out like, okay, is he the real deal? And we Molly. Know, yeah. yeah. Well, we know Molly isn't, but like we know Tom Aspinall is the real deal. You know what I mean? Um, he's the real deal. Holy field. So I think for him to be in a potential title eliminator fight next makes a lot of sense. Um, also just because I mentioned it last week, like just something, it was like, you can kind of tell sometimes, like, Dana will just, like, he won't say stuff directly, but you can see by the way he'll speak about a certain guy how highly they view him and how highly. He gets like, excited. You see the excitement in his face. You can see, yeah, that's the way to put it. That's he, gets a little, he gets a little extra red, you know? Yeah, and, and he went ahead and said, he, he was asked about Tom Aspinall, like, in an interview within the last, like, week or two, and he was like, yeah, I mean, like, could you imagine? Well, he didn't, he, let me rephrase, he wasn't asked about Tom Aspinall. He was asked about uh, the heavyweight division, and he's like, yeah, I mean, we got Stipe Jones coming up, and then if Jones decides to stay around, could you imagine Jones versus Tom Aspinall in England? It's like, oh, okay, so you're not oh, even thinking about anybody. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think they want Tom Aspinall to win. They know how big of a draw he is, and I think, I mean, he's already beaten Spivak, and he's already, uh, you know, he's already taken, uh, not taken down, excuse me. He'd, he'd be in a very uh, prime position to take down Zero Gone in a, a possible fight. So, But one thing I do want to go ahead and say or ask you about is they went ahead and he's had the back and forth with John Jones, man. What's your excitement level for that potential fight? Because admittedly, I was somebody who thought John was totally going to retire to the Stipe fight. Now I'm not entirely sure. He's kind of he's shown interest in the Tom Aspinall fight lately. Uh, I mean, dude, the thing is, if John wins, I mean, he can't. I feel like. 
Look, it, it hurts to say, right? As a fucking DJ diehard. Granted, though, I do think as far as like a mixed martial artist, I do think DJ's the greatest of all time in that regard as like skill. You know what I mean? Like he had the ground game. He had the jujitsu. He had the wrestling. He had the stand up. He had the IQ. He had this, you know, he, he had the confidence. He had the finishing style. You know, he knew how to win fights. But, uh, I mean, for John, dude, I mean, if he keeps it going, like, to be honest, he's going to get pretty undeniable, even with of all, you know, you know, John's fuck ups along the road, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you'll almost be able to not fully look past his mistakes, but also be like, okay, he came back from it, you know? And maybe he's doing better, especially if he keeps it going the way he is now. Like, it's going to look a little bit, uh, you know, we always say this, man, you, you want to be, uh, undeniable. Mm-hmm. And he's getting there. So, and he, you could argue, you could argue he's there already. Because look at the, at the mo- at this moment in time, you could uh, and even if he does beat Stipe, there'll there'll be some there there's some merit, you know. There's certain things you can nitpick at it. Well, he fought Sorogan, who's a guy who hasn't been fighting in MMA that long. You know, he didn't have a super established ground game, a wrestling game, and he got somebody in the first round from a guy who got laid up, who was off for like three years. Now he's gonna fight a guy who's forty something years old, hasn't fought in almost two. You know what I mean? Like there's. There's always going to be things you can nitpick at in this heavyweight run. But if he sticks around and he fights a guy like Tom Aspinall, his heavyweight resume, I think, doesn't get picked at so much anymore. Or if he beats a guy like Jonathan Almeida coming up, potentially, or, you know what I mean? Like someone someone else in, in the heavyweight picture. Like if he sticks around and he takes out these names, it's like, oh, shit, John Jones really was that one-on-one in MMA. And he's getting there potentially here soon. And yeah, and I, and I will say this, back, Bastion, if you ask me that, I'm excited about that fight. I will only be excited for it extremely if it's in England slash somewhere in Europe. If mm. it's in MSG, if it's in Vegas, if it's in Tech, if we, dude, Josh, it could be in Radier State, if it, be, it could be in Radier Stadium, and I wouldn't be excited, for, I wouldn't be as excited for it. Because I would want the English fans. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, ideal, let me, let me go and say, it. like, ideally, I would love it. For there to be go ahead and uh, have that fight go down to the UK or some point like anywhere. In, in, I mean, it'd still be epic if it was MSG. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's yeah, but at the same, like I also don't. I mean, I think the UFC. I, I like the UFC travel in general. I've complained enough about, about the, on this show about my thoughts about the Apex and the UFC just kind of like not go. Like for example, like they're not going to Mexico this year, even though they had three Mexican champions. But they're like, no, no, it's okay. Like we're gonna go ahead and. We're just gonna put an event on Mexican Independence Day at like five o'clock or whatever the fuck. Like, mm-hmm. like no, you just couldn't, you couldn't go there. You know, like, oh, that just makes up for it. With like, like, like with like two Mexican fighters and then Argentinian, Colombian, and yeah, yeah, Ecuador. yeah, it's just, yeah, just ridiculous. But yeah, I think the UC needs to travel more in general. So yeah, like I like that idea, but <laughs> I don't think this. I, I don't know. I don't want to say. I don't want to say never, but I don't, I'm still questioning if the fight will happen. I hope it does, though, because Tom Aspinall, man, like, admittedly, I was not as high on him as uh, a lot of other people were for the majority of his run so far, but, like, he's got me. I'm hooked. I want to see what he does next. Because, like, Marching Tybor is not – he's not a top-five guy, but basically nobody's ran through Marching Tybor in that way, like, in his entire UFC career. No, no, but like I said, the thing is about him, we've seen his level. And it's kind of sad, right, because – He's a uh, he's, he's stuck. He's been around this wrong. He's he's on the older end too. Right, he's in his late thirties. Uh, you know, he finally got some wins together, but it's like once he hits that top level guy, there's a uh, there's a drop off, and it's and it's evident. For sure, man. For sure. But 
nonetheless, man, nonetheless. I think we should go, go ahead and move on to the co-main event. Not a whole lot to say here. Um, Julia Stolyarenko pulling off the upset win in the first round. Uh, ends up taking down Molly McCann. Ends up being like a really quick fight. Uh, got the back, went for the armbar. Molly was defending and proceeded to throw herself right into a perfect position for <laughs> Stolyarenko to finish uh, the armbar, man. Uh, ends up getting the, the sub win inside of two minutes. Very big upset. Uh, I know that Stolyarenko was like one in three going into this one. And, you know, maybe even one in four. It was like a two to three one underdog. She was very one in, she was one in five in the UFC. Yeah, very big upset. I did not see. I'm a big Stolyarenko fan ever since that, that one fight. Which She's a dog. Yeah, she is a dog. I mean, but uh, damn, dude. I mean, what do you what do you think about this upset loss here? I mean, sad, sad for Molly, man. She really was riding that hype really strongly. And she had two sick almost. Like, the idea of recreating those finishes twice back-to-back again, I don't even know if that's fucking possible. Like, that was a very sick moment in someone's career that I don't know if it will be replicated again in that exact fashion, especially where it was happening with the kind of attention and hype. I mean, it was the perfect things that were going on for her, right? Uh, her career really did take off after that. Uh, and in these last two, so it's been tough, especially because, look, the Aaron Blanchfield one, right, forgivable at this point in time, right? This one, yeah, this one makes you turn your head a bit. Especially because I think all three or four of her UFC losses that are like finishes were all submissions. And when you're at this level at MMA and you've been submitted this many, this, this, this amount of times back to back and went to a significantly a lower level opponent than the other, there's a big deficiency in your game and it needs to be addressed. Uh, obviously easier said than done. And look, she hadn't been submitted before the Aaron Blanchfield went since like 2018. And that was the Jillian Robertson. You know, we know Jillian Robertson's game is the ground. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, this is a tough one. She said she's going to go down a weight class. She came out on Instagram, I believe, or Twitter, one of the two, and she addressed that she will be going down to 115, no longer at 125. She said these girls are a little too big for her, a little too long or whatever. Which, I mean, look, I thought she looked pretty good at this weight class. I thought she carried very good power, as we've seen. And, uh... I don't know if 115 is that much better of an option, but I mean, she just got to get in the lab and, and, and figure out this issue, man, because to lose twice in a Robia submission like that, uh, and especially to two people who are in like, uh, and it's not because they don't have those ground capabilities. Is it, I mean, Aaron Blanchfield, yes, but, uh, Julia Serenko, I mean, it's, it's not like these, these two gals come from like a heavy ADCC background and no gi grappling. You know, it's, it's, they're not, she's not losing to McKenzie Dern, you know, uh, someone like that or that, uh, 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 who else? Like a Tatiana Suarez, you know, someone, and granted that she's wrestling, but she can also get the finish on the back like that. You know, that, that's the other thing, you know, she, you would hope she would, she would find a more contest. And, and once again, it was in the first round too, I believe. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, for her, I hope she's able to figure out because she's a fun person to have around. She's mm-hmm. a great personality. Uh, they put her in this spot to succeed, and she didn't, and she fell short. And uh, I mean, she's definitely kicking herself for it. And then she's upset. She even came out with that, and she, she, I think she kind of said she apologized. To you, and she's like, "You guys set me up for success, and not that for success, but put me in the co-main event, hoping for a really good fight." And I gave that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, I, I saw a lot of people kicking Molly. Molly McCann has become like I don't know if you see it on Twitter, but people fucking hate her for some reason, man. I don't. I saw a lot of people really. Um, like, I kind of get the Patty hate because, you know, like, 
he's admittedly been very like kind of like upfront about his hate towards the media. He said a lot of controversial things. Molly McCann's always been like super sweet. So I saw a lot of people were celebrating her her loss on Twitter, and I was just like, come on, man, like. Dude, MMA yeah. people are, are fucking villains, dude. MMA fans yeah. are fucking villains. They're idiots too, dude. A lot of them, a, a fair, a fair, a fair, sizable, uh, you know, portion can be, yeah, definitely. But in regards to to the loss, man, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was pretty surprised, you know, like I, even as somebody who like knew Julie Stolyarenko, like going into this fight, like I thought she she could absolutely win the fight on the map. I just thought, like, man, like she's been bludgeoned basically since going to the UFC. I thought that the weight cut would probably, I mean, I was legitimately worried. Like, I was legitimately worried for her life, you know what I mean? Like, because she's missed weight and, like, passed out, like, badly trying to cut to, like, 140, 135. I don't know how she made the weight to get down to 125, but she looked great. She got the win. Molly McCann announced afterward that she's probably going to go down to straw, the straw weight, which is interesting. Um, Very interesting decision. I feel like, I feel like, it's more of a talent thing than a size thing, but, you know, I, I do think that Molly still has more to offer, and I do think that she could still put on some fun fights. Not everybody has to be a champion in the UFC. Like, it just is what it is. Um, she's a very, very entertaining fighter. I think, like, if you're talking, like, women's fighters, like, Molly McCann's going to go out there and put on a banger each time. So, um, yeah, I think she still has a place in the UFC. It sucks that it went down like this, but it is what it is. Um, she'll be back, and likely in London, so... You know, rest of the card, man, uh, there were a couple of big wins, a couple of big performances. Which ones do you most want to talk about coming out of UFC London? We've got to talk about Fight of the Night, man. It's the annual one, Andre Feely. Sad one for Andre Feely, right? Always uh, a guy who comes out and, and gives it his all. Uh, gets, falls a little short here. I think this one was a highly contested one on Twitter, too, as far as who they thought won. I thought Nathaniel won. I thought Nathaniel would win. Um, but what were your thoughts, Josh? Who do you think won? I don't know. I don't know if you kept a scorecard or anything. I didn't. But it's just on the night of what I thought. I didn't. I didn't really keep a scorecard, and we're, I didn't really keep like a scorecard like on the night of. Um, I mean, I thought I thought Nathaniel Wood got it done. I thought it was a close fight, you know. Um, yeah, it was highly contested. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't like mad about the decision. Like if they would have gave it to Feely, I would have been like, yeah, you know. Um, there, you, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, yeah, you know. But like at the same time, like I I don't have too many strong feelings about it. Um, admittedly, dude, the fight I most want to talk about actually coming out of this card, beyond the main event, beyond the co-main event, is the middleweight debut of Paul motherfucking Craig. The man. guy who fucked my parlay. <laughs> For real? Yep. I had picked like seven fights straight correct. Damn. That's hard, Ricky. But, I mean, I... Andre I mean, Muniz loses the position because he fucking decides to drive his head into Paul Craig's face. And they get stood up. Oh, dude, don't even get me wrong. It, it is what it is, man. Uh, Paul Craig won fair and square. So it's not like he, there was some bullshit. Credit to him. I'm happy for him. All jokes aside, I, I'm being a little a little sour because of my part late. But, but in the end, it was like I didn't know how this was going to go. And look, Josh, to be blatantly honest, he's still going to have a lot of issues at 185. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think this 185 move is like that much – you know, like, it's not going to be much different than 205. Granted, you know, 185 has its issues with, you know, not having a lot of new faces, and luckily we have him now, and he went straight into the rankings. But if you look at the rankings now uh, at 185, mm-hmm. you're telling me Paul Craig's going to go through a guy like Nazarene Ivamov or Roman Delice or 
Paulo, you know what I mean? Sean Strickland. Yeah. Harvey yeah. Vittori. Like, it, it's tough. I, you know, Jack Hermanson and him could be a fun fight. Maybe Derek Brunson could turn into a fun fight. But I just, I just don't know going forward. And granted, he's a guy who's trucked along and has had some good wins. You know, I saw some weird stat out there that Paul Craig has more wins than the former last few UFC the heavyweight champs, like the top guys in that division, some crazy Twitter stat like that. I don't know if you saw that out there, where he has the most wins over ranked uh, 205ers at this time out of any uh, out of any of the light heavyweights. Mm. It was, I was really <laughs> surprised to see that. I was like, wow, okay, uh, that's typical to Paul Craig. Yeah, I mean, I, I did not know that. I mean, he he has a win over former light heavyweight champion Jamal Hill, dude. I mean, he's a, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> He he's had some big wins at two hundred five. Like in regards to his middleweight move, like I'm still actually in the same place that I was last week. Like he pulled off the win here, and I actually didn't expect him to. I was actually very impressed with this win. Um, but I still think, like like you mentioned, moving up the middleweight ladder, I don't see him beating Rob Whitaker. I don't see him beating Sean Strickland. I don't see him beating Marvin Vittori. Well, it's not even just that. To make it even simpler, he's not beating Israel Adesanya. Oh yeah, but I don't think anybody you know. Yeah, I didn't have any delusions. No, but you know what I mean? Like, if you see a guy move to a weight class, and he's a higher-ranked guy, he's moving to that weight class with hopes to become a champion. He fought a ranked guy. Thing is, does you know what I mean? When, when, to put it bluntly, is he beating the champ? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, no, he's, he's probably not. But one yeah. thing I do want to say, and the reason <laughs> why... Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a fun guy, and he's and he can make fights extremely competitive and really fun. Yeah, and here's and here's the thing. Is uh, he set out, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this fight so much is because afterwards he went out there and he called out Bo Nickel. He said nobody wants to fight him, and I want a legacy. I want a legacy of putting on fun fights and being willing to fight anybody. I'm not here for money. I'm not here for fame. Fuck yeah, I'll fight Bo Nickel. Angel, is that the fight to book? Because admittedly, I mean, I'm always somebody who thought do, they should do, slow roll him, but like. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, just because he said it, I think the UFC could do it. I don't know if it's necessarily the right direction because, and look, it could end up working out for Bo. The one thing about jiu-jitsu guys is there's certain submissions wrestling guys uh, have issues with and struggled with. Uh, as someone who spoken to a few guys who've, who've uh, rolled with guys who do wrestle, they could catch them in certain things. And I'm sure Bo at this point has probably like caught on to those things potentially. Uh and Bo has hands too, as we've seen now. <laughs> we know he has the power. So, yeah. I mean, look, it could end up working out very well with him. He'll go straight into the rankings. But the issue, my only issue with that is, it's like there's no more unranked fights after that. I don't mm. want to like if you're gonna if Bo is gonna be a, if Bo is gonna go into the rankings, there is no more unranked fighters for him at that point. He would end up being let's see, uh, I don't know for some reason UC hasn't updated their ranking shit. I had it pulled up here a second ago. Let me pull it up real quick. But I believe uh, Andre Muniz was ranked somewhere around 13 or 14. Uh, now, yep, 14. If you insert, let's say, hypothetically, Paul Craig Bow in a go fight, boom, there's one for Bo. Bo is now number 14, right at the very bottom. Dude, all those fights are fucking hard. Mm-hmm. And look, he could possibly win them. We're gonna we'll find out if Bo is that guy. But I, I just. It's just I want to see him have that time, man. I think he could have another one or two fights, 
with guys who aren't ranked who are very hyper competitive. Like I said, I called out guys like Gregory Rodriguez, uh, you know, Rodolfo Vieira, who's a, who's a heavy jiu-jitsu guy. Like, uh, who I know has now taken a look at 205, I believe, or, or I think I did at one point. But, you know, the, the, the rankings don't have to come there, but I think, it, it, like I said, if you do want to give them that opportunity at a ranked guy, Paul Craig does seem like a pretty good option. But I just, like I, I always, I can't, I've been campaigning for it. This guy's so young. He has a decade left in the sport. Why do we need to accelerate the process? Yeah, you're not entirely wrong. Um, I, and also, we should mention that Bowen Nichols said after his most recent win, he said that he's going to take off a year. By the way, how do you feel about that? We didn't address that after he announced it. Incredibly that. stupid. Yeah, I'm very upset because it was the complete opposite of what I said he should do. I'm like, he should be ready at all times. He should stay in shape and potentially be ready for a short notice fight because I think he needs to have cage time. Because, dude, no matter what, he doesn't have the cage IQ yet. You know what I mean? He doesn't have that all developed. And, he look, he can potentially have that fight IQ. But he hasn't been in every situation. He hasn't been in every scenario. And there's going to be a time where – and we've seen certain things where he's uh, made mistakes and, and, and hasn't, like, kind of taken a little bit to get to the finish in his first fight. And that's all stuff that can be worked on, and it just takes time. But, like I'm telling you, dude, what's going to happen today that he doesn't get his first takedown? What's going to happen the day where he doesn't tag the guy initially or the guy isn't hesitant for him and he's coming forward and he's not the nail or he's not the hammer and he becomes the nail, you know? Yeah. And look, yeah, man, it's I'm, possible yeah. that he's just that good and he's never in that scenario. But we're not even there at that point yet. We haven't even continuously seen that at a higher level, you know? So it's not like we could even make that, uh, that comfort, you know, that comforting thing, you know, where we could with like a, I got, you know, like a guy Habib who's, like a guy who, with Habib who's undefeated and, and had all this success. And we could show you something like, yeah, he never had, he never got to that point, you know, cause he, and, and it took a while and he earned it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Bo Nickel, like, taking off time, like, look, he's a grown ass man. He's going to do what he's going to want to do. But like, and I'm not worried about his development. It's more just about the, the, the hype and kind of keeping the attention. And, you know, like, Bo Nickel, by the time he comes back, he'll be 28 years old. Like, you know, like, I just, I, I want to see him get the ball rolling, man. Because I really want, I, he does have the the utmost potential. I mean, but we haven't really seen him do much of anything. Um, so it's just like, and he's gone 5-0 and from, from last June to now. So he's gotten five fights, but, it, you know, five minutes of cage time. So it's just. He's fought I I one just, round. I just, I just want to see him do more. <laughs> and I think him, you know, saying, like, yeah, yeah, I don't care that I'm going to lose the hype. I'm not going to come back for, like, you know, another year. It's just like. I wonder why, though. Like, why? You know, you know? know he, could, he could be dealing with a, a silent injury, too, which is another thing. That he might not want to not put out there. It might be some sort of knee thing or maybe he wants to get stem cells done. Who knows what it, what it could be. I think that's another thing we're not necessarily thinking about here. But it is kind of odd that. At this point in time, he finally made it. He's taking these fights. He has the contract. He's got the hype. He, you know, he's building it up. His social media is blowing up. He has all this attention. He has a massive support group around him. And it just to, I'm not saying step, he's not stepping away from it, but to take mm-hmm. these next months off when especially he could fight by December, you know, if he wants, he, he's going to have all this time from now and he could fight in December. And we're ways, you know, we're away from that. That's, that's a quite a while from now. Yeah, I, I did see. He did say that a potential December return is on the table, but not likely. So, yeah. especially for like December pay per view, because you know Bonick only fights pay per views now. 
<laughs> I mean, Bo Nichols is he big time Bo, you know, big time Bo. Uh, all you got to do is Bo leave, you know, like he's he, he's the real deal, you know. It's but it's just <laughs> him sticking around, man. I really want to see him get back in there. I think him taking off the time is just I don't get it. I just don't get it. But you know, he did come out and say though. He said that he he only sees himself taking like three to four more fights fighting for the title. He said maybe a top fifteen guy a top 10 guy, a top 5 guy, and then maybe just the title. That's what he thinks. I mean, that's so, not impossible. That's not impossible. With that being the case, that's why I kind of thought, like, Paul Craig makes sense, because he's ranked, like, what, exactly 15? 14, like, 14. He'll be 14 once uh, he gets updated. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, there you go. But, anyways, man, um, rest of the card, there were a couple of other big wins. I mean, Daniel Marcos upsetting David Grant uh, by split decision. Uh, I was very surprised by that one. Ferris, um, Zayan picking up a win with Jai Herbert. Jai Herbert, do you I mean, man, I, I feel like he's just, I don't know if he's coming or he's going, man. I feel like anytime I start to, you know, like, start to be like, <laughs> oh, man, he's he's actually coming on, you know, like, because uh, he had a really in, intense fight with Ilya. He came back and picked up two wins after that, and then he you know, suffered this one. Damn shame, but, I mean, uh, as far as any the the rest of the car goes, uh, which which fights you must want to highlight before we go ahead and move on to UFC 291? Oh man, Joel Alvarez versus Mark Casey, man, another finish for Phenomeno. Once again, though, he does not defend a single takedown and has not defended a single one in his UFC tenure, but he does have a strong submission game and he's able to get a dart stroke win over Mark Casey. Granted, though, there was a headbutt involved. Very sad to see. Mick Parkin, man, who trains with uh, Tom Ospinall, I believe, or has trained with Tom Ospinall, uh, making his official UFC debut, won a contract in the Contender Series last year. Uh, look, another another heavyweight in the picture, man, an Englishman, 27 years young, a long time, um, you know, long career ahead of him. Very excited to see what his future looks like. Mokhmed Muradov, who uh, not, I mean, for him, sadly, man, ended up catching a loss to Jerome Mershaw and Cabrera back-to-back, obviously, Cal looking great at this point. He looked good against Brian Barberena. Brian Barberena making a move to 185. Uh, I guess he's wanting to not cut as much weight. Maybe he wanted a, a nice little change. Uh, it looks several durable out there. He he was coming forward non-sub as Brian Barberena. Look, I'll put it at least Brian Barberena looked like Brian Barberena on that night. Nothing changed there. Uh, let's see, Caitlin very catching a big win. I highlighted this guy last week, Josh, and I'm very happy because he had a stellar performance. Obviously, there was an injury involved. Once again, there was something that kind of affected the fight, but uh, Chris Duncan, man, he looked very good. This kid has a – I'm not going to say yet, but there's guys you always want to keep an eye on, and I just don't know why, but I'm like, I'm saying this right now. Keep an eye on Chris Duncan. Mm-hmm. It's not one of the – I'm not 100% sure yet, but there's, there's a little something here, and I, I'm interested. He seems very – he seems like he's headed the right direction. Uh, Britta Brazil getting one over Shauna Bain in the Hallander last week. She was one of the – one of the signings that's kind of gained some attraction to Twitter, she ended up falling short. But, look, she's young. I see her potential. I think she's like 23, 22, somewhere around her. Um, I really liked what I saw at the end of the – oh, no, never mind. She's 29. I thought she was a much younger. But still, look, and woman, that's like another 10 years in career, man. So, regardless for her, I, I think there's there's a lot of hope there still. I think she, she showed a lot of good stuff at the end of the round. I just wish that would have happened earlier in the fight. Um, she has a lot of room to grow. Uh, and finally, uh, one guy who had a, a, a tough first out of the UFC, man, uh, uh, Hafel Falau at third, uh, at flyweight. He made his debut against Muhammad Makayev, ended up getting his minute late in the third. He had a 
banging last round of Mahayak Mikhaev. He was the one who got him in, a, I believe, a leg lock. Uh, he was able to get a big win opening up the card. Submission RM triangle. So it was nice to see him bounce back and in England again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, this is a solid card. Like, it was not a, uh, admittedly, not as many finishes as I would like, but a lot of these fights were not bad. Um, and there were a couple of big performances. Uh, one last thing I do want to go ahead and ask you. Um, it's like a really minor thing. Did you see Ma- Did you see the entire entirety of Mahmoud Muradov versus Brian Morena? Yeah. Bro straight up went Mark Coleman in the second or third round. <laughs> Mahmoud, do you remember that fucking headbutt, dude? Uh, I do remember there being a headbutt, yes, I just can't remember. Yeah, on the mat, I wonder if you could find it on, on Twitter. It's just like, you guys have looked that up, like, not even trying to hide it. <laughs> now, granted, they didn't take a pen, they didn't take a point, because, you know, referee, you get one, you know, you get, you get one headbutt when I poke one dick. It, it, it was, it was when he was on the ground, and, uh, he just, like, went straight into him. I think what he was trying to do was, uh, like, there's, a, he was trying to get, I think probably what he wanted to do, and I don't know for a fact, just get like a, like put his head into him, and, he, and the way you're supposed to do it is you you slide on onto the chest and you like go up, you know. But this dude just dug straight into him full head, but you're not wrong. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Yeah, I thought it was kind of like a funny thing I wanted to bring up. But yeah, it's a solid fight night card. It was not the, the best thing, not the worst thing. I'd probably give it like a solid, I don't know, six out of ten, six and a half. Like it was yeah. all right. Yeah, I'd say that, I'd say that's where it falls. Uh, they didn't have any. Crazy wars, no. I mean, there were some finishes, but there wasn't a lot of names. I mean, it was it, it got you through the week, man. There's, it, it's kind of sad to hear, right? But you know, at this, it gave us our daily dose of fights. You know what I mean? Our yeah. weekly dose of fights. It, it got us through. Yeah, but it's not going to be as good as UFC 291 going down this Saturday night from the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. My man, we got one of the most stacked cards of the year. The, the UC has just turned July into like Christmas, basically. I mean, you had UC Which 290. Is great. We can't complain. I'm happy. Oh my god, I'm thrilled, dude. I mean, we had UC 290 all time card. I mean, we said on the show. I mean, this is it was a top five, maybe all timer. I mean, it was absurd. But now you got UC 291, and just that main card is incredible. We'll preview the entire thing, and even the prelims are nice. But we got to start off with the main event. The rematch for BMF Gold. Back, all the way back, Angel. All the way back in uh, fucking, like, 2018. April 2018, these two fought in Glendale, Arizona. Dustin Poirier got the knockout win. Five years later, they're going to run it back in Utah with the BMF title on the line. What do you think, man? I mean, I think, I think regardless, everybody knows this fight's not really... I don't want to say it's not important, but everybody knows that, look, man, we're coming to see two dudes go out there and fucking swing, you know? These guys are going to take years off their life one more time. Pretty much, yeah. What do you think about it, man? Jeez, I mean, I'm so excited, man. This fight had to happen again. I had been campaigning. I've been campaigning for for a while. And look, no disrespect to these guys. They they fell short of the title twice, um, which is heartbreaking because they're, they are so good and so, so high level and and for me, I thought Dustin was going to become champion at one point. Didn't end up happening, and it, and I seemingly thought he could have at one point. And fuck, man, even in the Habib fight, dude, he seen that interview with Joe and and him mentioned like I almost had it, and then I just didn't lock it up. It's just it, it's a very sad what if moment to see because like could you imagine that if if Dustin would have been the one to dethrone a Habib and in a submission like that too? Uh, I mean, 
crazy. About that. He was really close. Like, he Khabib's was. talked about it. He was like, yeah, like, he got me, you know? Like, he had me there, but I got out. You know? But, you know, I'm fucking Khabib, so it didn't even fucking matter. <laughs> but, it didn't matter, you know? Fuck, dude. I mean, for me, look, I've always thought Dustin for a long time was the uncrowned king of 155. Little did I know the uncrowned king of 155 was Charles fucking Oliver. He's got to do Bronx. But I still think Dustin is still, like, right up there. I mean, he's probably, like, look, he's one of those guys who at 155 never became champion, but all-time list, he's, like, right fucking there, dude. Like, right fucking there. Uh, and sad that it never happened. And, uh, look, I'm just going to get straight into it. I mean, I'm picking him to win the fight. I think Dustin overall is a better fighter than than Justin. Justin doesn't ever show his grappling gaming. Trust me. I don't think this fight's gonna go around at any point with these two guys and they're gonna stand up the whole time. But even then, Dustin has good kicks as we've seen with Connor. Um Justin also has good kicks and he's willing to throw them right after he's well he's willing to throw them as he's throwing a combination. He's a dog. But he's also taking a lot of damage. And so has I mean Dustin has taken a lot of damage or just well, Dustin it's so fucking hard. D and J, Josh. <laughs> Why the fuck did they put two guys with a letter difference in their name together? Yeah, right. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, Dustin's been in his own, you know, fair share of wars, but not, I don't feel like it's to the level of what Justin Gaethje's been through at times, too. And not necessarily against certain opponents, too, that you wouldn't expect necessarily. So, that that's always a worrisome, because I feel like one thing I do, do worry about with Justin is I don't know whenever it's going to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that's not too far removed either uh because i mean i mean when we look at i mean he got knocked out by charles he got a he got choked out by habib he he had a war with with uh, dustin already and he had a and he had a war with chandler like there's a lot of damage in there man and i and i get this is a fight game i get it's mma but i just wonder like when it's gonna catch up and i don't know if it's now but for me, I, I'm going to pick Dustin Poirier. I'm picking the diamond. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the same page, man. I really am. I'm going to take Dustin Poirier. I really do think. I went back. Re- Did you rewatch the first fight, actually, out of curiosity? It's been a while. I really should have done it. Uh, but if I remember right, Justin was winning the fight, right? And then Dustin came on late. Or was there, or was there, or was so, there, was so there an injury? It was, it was more like um, the opposite of that. Was it it was, Dustin was in control for the majority of the fight. Justin landed some big shots and had, like, a really good third round, and then the fourth round he got finished. So it was basically like he had, like, a couple moments of success but got ended up getting knocked out. I think that's probably going to be the same, like, thing here. I think, uh, you know, he's going to have some some success, no doubt about it, Justin Gagey. But I still think whenever you have got, like, Dustin Poirier, man, that motherfucker is so clean in there, man. Like, and he's durable, just, too. That's the other thing we got to talk yeah. about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to put him out of there easy. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, what was the last the last time? What was the last time uh, Dustin flatlined? It was or, Michael Johnson back in, like, 2016. Yeah, that's, which is, dude, which, like, you look at Dustin's fight. Like, that's cool. That's wild to think, right? Yeah, for real. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy to think about. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think when you have guy like, Dustin Poirier, just in general, like, I think... When you put him in a fight like this, where it's going to be chaos, he thrives. And I'm not to say Justin Gaethje, Justin Gaethje doesn't, but he he puts himself into the chaos because he likes. You know what I mean? Dustin Poirier yeah. doesn't like the chaos, and he's but he'll stay in there. And he's going to find pockets to find clean shots. 
Mm-hmm. Justin Gaethje likes the chaos. He likes to make things dirty. But even Dustin Poirier, he gets himself in those fights, but he always remains a level head. He does not get too over overbearing, you know what I mean? He always remains clean. He finds the, the he finds ways to get big shots in there. And I think he's going to do the same here. I think he's going to get another big win. Um, I think it'll probably be a finish just by virtue of the fact that I, I don't think. I mean, it's two, five rounds, right? They're not yeah. going to see the they're not going to see the fifth round, and if they do, holy fuck, it's going to be a war. Yeah, I mean, he went ahead and fucking um, doesn't bore you. I saw him talk about. It. He was like, yeah, I mean, this fight's going to end in a finish because if we don't, you know, we'll be laughing at the hospital. With one another, because that's where we'll both be going, you know. But by the way, we already Justin already talked about this, I believe, his last fight, and he said there's not much time left. If Justin Gaethje loses here, do you think he retires in the cage that night? No. Really, you think he'll fight one more and then he'll go? I yeah, I think, I think Justin Gaethje's not a guy who. Um, he said he's making. He's already said like this is his last run, but I think even then, if he loses this fight, he'll probably want to come back for one more. Want to leave on a win, right? He's, he's probably. On a loss. And also, there's other big fights and other big paydays for him. Like, even if he loses this fight, and you're like, oh, maybe this is the end of Justin Gaethje <laughs> as a contender. Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje two, and MSG. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unironically, dude, fuck yeah. I mean, they could do that. They could do a Connor fight if he ever ends up coming back. I mean, there's tons of things Justin Gaethje could experiment at 170. It's all about if what he wants to do, honestly. But I mean, like, look, the fact that he's already mentioned he's almost out the door is the only reason I'm I'm even mentioning this. Because if he's saying it, it means it's not that far away. Yeah. It's just how far away is it? Is it was it is it this soon? Like, will it happen after this? Now, granted, I think if he wins, I think there's going to be a conversation change for sure. Because, dude, guys are hungry. You know what I mean? Fighters, fighters love to fight. Fighters love that adrenaline they get. You know what I mean? And I think if he if he gets one here, he'll be like. For one, he'd be getting over one over a guy he lost to, and he'd be making his uh, starting this run again towards the title, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that would be that would be a little bit of fuel, you know. Maybe that stick him around, but I think there's a loss here. I think it. Uh, I'm telling you, man. I think it won't be. It could be soon, or it'd be, you don't be surprised if it's on that night. I'm not saying it's gonna happen. If I call this though, holy fuck, I'm a genius. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited for this fight, man. I'm, I'm very, very excited for it. Um, like I said, I, I'm taking, I'm taking, that's important to pull up a win, but I think it's going to be a good fight nonetheless, and Justin Gage could absolutely pull it out. That being said, uh, dude, co event is another incredible fight. Uh, it's not a title fight. There, rumors was that if it's going to be, ended up not being the case unless they, you know, change something this week. But nonetheless, Jan Bohovic welcoming Former UFC middleweight champion Alex Bahia to light heavyweight. Um, look, man, obviously Alex coming off the knockout loss to Izzy back in April, just three months later coming back. Very interesting decision. Moving up against Yamaha, which obviously last seen in December, uh, fighting to a draw against Magomed Ankalaev with the UFC's light heavyweight title on the line. Interesting, interesting fight here, man. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in the, in the green room where we pretty much said, like, hey, this is going to go ahead and... This one's not going to be close. One of, the, one of these two guys, this, this is going to be a, just somebody's going to get washed in either direction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Look, I, I mean, to the extent I feel like I said that, I think more specifically what I said was, I think goes show is if Jan has aged at all or how far he's aged, because he is in his 40s. That's something we got to recognize. Now. And he's not a, I mean, it's at 205, which isn't that far from heavyweight. 
Uh, and these players just stick around and find a lot of success. And also, we've seen Glover at older ages find success, granted different styles as well. Uh, and for Alex Pahea, for me, is we'll also see how if he does lose, how far are these deficiencies in MMA? You know. So, oh, man, for me, I mean, look, we'll we'll get a lot. Well, I think we'll this can show us a lot about Alex Pahea. We can learn a lot here. Um, you're, you're not wrong. We're not that far removed from that KO loss. But for some reason, that doesn't really worry me since the weight cut won't be big anymore and he'll be fighting in a weight class where he's comfortable at. And like I told you, man, if he was dropping motherfuckers like that at 185, how the fuck is he going to look at 205? Is he going to put a fucking dent in these guys' heads now? Some cyborg Santos type shit? Like, that's a little worrisome, man. Like, we're going to have to fucking scam brains after this shit. Yeah. Uh, for me, though, I wonder how much reminiscent this could potentially look to the Izzy Yon fight. Once again, though, Izzy didn't gain weight for that fight. And Pahez is going to be coming in bigger than that. And he's working with our favorite coach, Coach Glover, now. Shout out Coach Glover, who has had extreme faith in him. Is super excited. Each time he's, I see him on Embedded or interviews, you can tell he's excited about Alex and seeing Alex's success, which makes me really happy to see because he believes in him. And Glover's a very happy and honest human being. So I genuinely believe what he's saying is true. And, and what he believes is to be is true. It's not a fucking lie. It's not an illusion to his friend. Uh, so I think he'll be, I, I do think there will be a lot of success here in some at, at times, even if it doesn't go his way. Uh, but dude, I, I got a weird feeling, man. I think we're going to get an win. God damn it. I don't know oh, why, shit. but I think we're going to get a new, pay, a new face in 205, Josh. I'm calling it now. Hey man. Well, Hey, I mean, I can't, I, I would not be surprised. I mean, I'd be surprised if Alex Bahia pulls it out, but, uh, I think Jan's just going to go out there and Izzy him again, you know? Like, I think I think he's going to go, not knock him out. I mean, like, he's going to do his strategy that he had when we fought Israel Adesanya, who was coming out from middleweight. Um, not that I necessarily think that, like, you know, Jan's already said that, like, hey, I'll, I'll trade while I'm the feed with him. I'll do it for a while, you know? Um, but it, he said he wants to make it a striking battle. I don't know how much I genuinely believe that. If I'm being honest, I don't really don't believe it at all. Uh, I think he's probably going to end up taking him down because Yamahovich is not a stupid guy. Um, I think he's probably going to go out there and take him down relatively early. And, I mean, look, man. I mean, we've seen Alex Bahia only on the mat a couple of different times, and he's never looked great. And that's not trying to be mean. It's just that's the reality of being a, you know, a kickboxer for your entire career. And you're coming over to MMA – in your mid-30s, you're just not as good of a wrestler and not as good on the map as a lot of these guys that have been doing this for a long, long time. So I think uh, – th- I'm going to take Yago Hobich to go out there and get the win. Um, would I be surprised if Alex Bahia catches him? No. And that's what I kind of – that's kind of what it meant whenever we were saying we talking earlier before the show. Like, I think either it's going to be an Alex and just one punch puts him out, you know, big knockout, or it's going to be Jan just going out there and wrestling him and just – bludgeoning him on the map. So, that's what I think. Um, anyways, man, I think, you know, in terms of the rest of this card, we just got to move on down, man. Walter Waits, Steven Wonderboy Thompson, who has been out of action since a December win over Kevin Holland. That was a big one. It was an important one for him. Snap a two-fight losing streak. Kind of kept him in title contention. Still 40 years young, taking on the rising Michelle Paheya. The Brazilian, 29 years old. 
which won five fights in a row inside the UFC octagon, last defeat Santiago Ponzinibbio in May. Biggest test for him. We've always thought he's a really entertaining guy, and now he's finally his time to break into title contention. What do you think about this fight, man? I love the matchup. For one, I love it. I mean, it's 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 exactly what I want. Another thing that makes me happy is he's already at Utah. He said he wanted to come out two weeks out because they'll be fighting at elevation, uh, which is a big thing for me because we've seen some deficiencies in the cardio. And look, I'm gonna get into it again. I got Michelle Pahe in this one. I think he's getting it together. I think he's maturing. He's training with the right guys. He has an awesome group behind him. Uh, I think this is a fight to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's a perfect fight. It is a fight to make. Um, I disagree, though. I think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson could go out there and pick up the win. Um, that That is if that one fight was not an anomaly. Um, by that, I mean his win over Kevin Oliver. Kind of turned back the clock. Um, kind of turned turn back the clock that night in December. I think uh, if he can do that again here, or at least, like, just keep the fight on the feet, because I, I don't think he's going to get caught by Michelle Pahea. And I, I mean, on the ground, I think Michelle Pahea is could have some sort of advantage because he's so fucking massive, but, you know, let's see. Um, nonetheless, I do think uh, Wonder Boy is going to go and get the win here. That being said, there is... Um, a bunch of other entertaining fights. This one is this one was originally set to open up the main card. They've since moved it up. Interesting decision there. The return of Tony Ferguson, El Kukui. I need I need El Kukui to. I'm going to be honest. I need El Kukui to go out there and get a win. I need it. You know, I've had, I've had a couple of rough months. I know he's had a rough couple of years. Me and Tony both need this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> um. And he's back. I mean, riding a five-fight losing streak, last lost in eight Diaz in September, taking on King Bobby Green. Another. I mean, I'm glad they're giving him a veteran. You know, 36 years old, been in the UFC for you know a decade, sim- similar to Tony, um, been around for a long time. Coming off a no contest with Jared Gordon in April. I mean, Bobby Green, you know, winless in his last three fights, taking on Tony Ferguson, who's winless in his last five fights. Interesting, interesting, man. I'm definitely interested to see if Tony can can pull it back, because obviously Bobby Green's a pretty big favorite, understandable, going into this fight. But what do you think about it, man? Obviously, Tony Ferguson finally back. Um, we'll see what happens. Then. What, do, what do you think? I, I was really happy when they announced this matchup, because I'm like, okay, this is kind of step back I want right now. Even though I thought Diaz was uh, <laughs> was going to be that step back, Josh. Uh, yeah. Really, though, I think Nate had a really good night. So... Credit to him. I guess what a way to go out right before getting his big payday in boxing. Uh, for Bobby Green, though, fuck, dude. I, I I think this fight is still like the as far as the betting odds were kind of. I don't think they're accurate, dude. Like I still I because Tony still looked very good in that Nate fight, even though he ended up getting submitted and, and ended up looking it ended up looking bad. But I think everything people forget everything that happened before the end of the finish. And I think if he's able to recreate some of that again against Bobby Grin, we could potentially see a Tony Ferguson win here and kind of get a little bit of glory back in Tony's name. Uh, mm-hmm. This one's up in the air a little bit because there's some uncertainty there with Tony. And Bobby Green has had his own ups and downs as well. And Bobby Green wants some fucking money apparently because he doesn't have any money, even though he's showing up to press conferences with all these with all these diamonds and chains that are out <laughs> yeah. and watches. But it's all good, man. I know you need money. It's all good. You can't pawn any of that or get any rid of it. It's not easy to get rid of. I completely understand. I have the same issue as well. Uh 
But for me, man, I, I got Tony Ferguson. I still think he has something left in the tank. I think he could still offer something to these divisions of 155 or 170, and there's still matchups. I don't think he's fully gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, I think I, I really, I'm really, I've really debated going back and forth in this one. I'm gonna very hesitantly take Tony Ferguson. Very who, hesitant. Who who um, can blame you though? Who can yeah. fucking blame me? I respect the honesty. Yeah, I mean, I think just because like these are both two guys who are, I don't want to say wash because that feels mean, but they're both in the they're both in the twilight of their careers. I mean, obviously everybody's saying Bobby Green. Like I'm seeing a lot of people saying like, oh, Bobby Green's gonna go out there and kill him, but like. Bobby's had Bobby's running a three fight win this streak too. You know what I mean? It's not like he's been killing it recently. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, I, I I think Tony Ferguson. I think I think maybe he can bring it back for one night. I think this is a step down in competition. And I also think that like he kind of treated he he kind of admitted since then that like that fight against Nate where I thought he looked really really bad. He's pretty much said like yeah I kind of took it easy. Like it was an exhibition. That's how I treated it. And they both weren't really active or doing much, so it kind of makes the most sense. But nonetheless, I mean, even if that wasn't even that was Tony at full speed, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pick him for one last one. I mean, who, who knows? This could be his last fight. One I last Al-Kakui, run. <laughs> well, I hope Al Kakui can go off on a win, no matter what. I hope he can. I hope he can at least look competitive. That's what I want. But nonetheless, man, opening up the main card, welterweight fight between Michael Chiesa and Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland, who we mentioned earlier, coming off that loss to uh, see Wonderboy Thompson in December. Michael Chiesa, we have not seen in a fat minute, man, uh, since a loss to Sean Brady back in November 2021. That was a uh, decision loss. That was a close fight. Um, that was only his uh, second loss at welterweight. What do you think about this fight, man? I'm obviously Chiesa was coming on strong before he kind of suffered two two upset losses. What do you think about this fight, man? He looked he looked so good at 170, but I also knew some of those. I, I kind of expected that to happen against those guys. Or, or And I thought the Sean Brady one was to be highly contested. Sean Brady did look really fucking good in that one. But fuck, man. It's so sad to to, to, to see that he's back. Uh, that it took so long for him to come back. He's got a good matchup with Kevin Holland. I think he'll get it over Kevin Holland, though. If he's able to get it to the ground, I feel very comfortable. On the stand-up game, though, I know we'll have trouble. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um I'm, this is another fight where I'm pretty I'm pretty conflicted about it, man. I think on the feet, Kevin Holland is going to have a lot of success, but I also think on the mat, like I'm going to go I'm, I'm going to go Kevin Holland, man. I, I'm going to go I'm going to go take Kevin Holland. I think Kiesa. I'm a big fan of Michael Kiesa. I've always been a big Kiesa fan, but I think he's been out of action for almost two years now. Um, I didn't really like what I saw in his most recent couple of outings. Not that Kevin Holland looked like a world beater in his his last two fights, but he still you know had a couple of fight where he's fought recently, you know, and he has almost two years out of cage. I'm going to go and take Kevin Holland. All right, and moving on to the prelims, man. Admittedly, it's not as, you know, it's not as stacked as the UZ 290 card that I, I brought up earlier, uh, but still a couple of really big fights on here, man. Which ones are you most looking forward to? I mean, there's still, like, a few a few talents I'm interested in. Obviously, Trevin Giles, Gabriel Bonfim, the big one for me. Obviously, Ismail Bonfim falling short last time out. But Gabriel Bonfim, undefeated, 14-0, the brother of Ismail, 25 years young at welterweight, will be making his second fight in the UFC. Another pay-per-view, by the way. So clearly, they, they have high, they had high hopes for both these guys and are very interested in their futures for them. Trevor Jazzo, not an easy out. And you, you know, Josh, undefeated in my heart, never losing, the true heavyweight champion in my heart, Derek Lewis, always have to highlight the Black Beast, taking on Marcus Jorge de Lima, who... 
Forget Rogero de Lima. You gotta, I gotta give some credit, man. He's managed to rack up uh, a few wins here and there. Almost built up a little win streak. Fell short to Blagoy Ivanov, but before that, Ben Rothel, Maurice Green, and his last two, Waldo Cortez, Acosta, and Andre Larsky. So, taking out some pretty good bets. Obviously, Derek, uh, recently has looked uh, bad, has had a, has, has lost his last three. His only, his last one was in 2021 against Chris Dawkins, who is now fighting at 205. Well, I don't even know if two Chris Dawkins in the UFC. Is Chris Dawkins still on the UFC roster? Um, no, he's been he's been released, I believe. Or is that Kyle Dawkins? I think you're talking about the Kyle Dawkins. I think Kyle Dawkins got released, Josh. I just uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Not not Chris. Kyle did. Okay. But uh, I mean, let's see if Derek can get back one here against uh, Marcus Rodriguez Lima. If not, four in his la- uh oh and four in his last uh, four is gonna look pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy for me here, Josh Roman Kopilov. My interest peaked in this young man last year on the France card when he fought Alessio Deshira. He got a sick finish late in the, uh, early in the third. Um, his UFC career didn't have the best start. He lost his first two, made his debut in 2019. Carl, Carl Robertson, uh, Albert Dariev, nothing to be too shamed about there, but nothing, you know, obviously they're not the, the highest ranked guy. They're not highly ranked guys either. Um, managed to get it together in his last two, both finishes as well. Curious if he's gonna, curious if he's able to get it done here again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, like you highlighted a couple of good fights there. Um, like you, like you mentioned, Derek Lewis really helping Black Beast can be, get a big win, man. I mean, three losses in a row. I mean, he's a legend. I don't think they would cut him if he lost, but like, you can't really say for sure. I mean, if, if yeah. he loses, especially in like devastating fashion, that'd be like four knock. Four stoppages, you know what I mean, uh, in a row. So we'll see what happens. I really, I'm pulling for him, man. But you know, mentioned a couple of different people. Miranda Maverick, I got to highlight her coming in here on short notice, uh, coming off a, a upset loss to Jasmine Jazdavicius. Although, granted, Jasmine's been kind of putting in some work recently, so really? should have been an upset. But um, yeah, Miranda Maverick coming in on short notice, taking on Priscilla Cashware, the zombie girl. Uh, interested to see if Priscilla Cashware, who I mean. You remember her story, man. I mean, she was brought in here as like a can for Valentina Shevchenko. Lost multiple fights in a row. She's won four of her last five. Interested to see if she can keep her momentum going um, against the young prospect. Overall, man, what would you rate UC 291 out of curiosity? I think it's I think it's like a solid nine out of ten, dude. I think that main card is so fucking solid. Mm, as uh, as far as like just specifically the pay review or the whole card as a whole. Um, let's just go. Let's just go pay per view. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably probably a nine. It, it, it's, 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 it's up there for sure. Maybe eight and a half. I know that might surprise some people. Eight, eight and a half. But it's just because, uh, I feel like a perfect card is like double title fight, great ranked opponents below it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's a solid, solid night of fights. I'm so excited for it. That being said, I mean, it's about time we go on to the news, man. We've got a fair bit of it. Um, the first one, admittedly, like, <laughs> I didn't see this shit coming at all, man. Um, friend of the show, Mike Jackson, we've interviewed a couple of times. You've interviewed him, like, uh, before, like, I want to say, like, not all of his fights, but, like, I interviewed him before the punk fight, and then we interviewed him before Dean Barry. We may have to interview him before he fights UFC fucking, you know, <laughs> former middleweight champion, Pat Militich. Um, these two got this is, like, the weirdest, like, so, Angel, do you know do you know why these two are fighting? No, why is he fighting fifty five year old Pat Militich? 
So, basically, Pat Milicic used to be Mike Jackson's coach. He was in his corner for the punk fight. Um, and then eventually they've, they've grown apart because they have very differing political views, which I will not get into. That's that's weird how they were like really good as coach and a fighter, and they had like, hey, look, you don't have to agree with everything with people you get along with or work with, right? Yeah. But especially like a fighter coach relationship, I'm really surprised. Yeah. Um. Pretty surprised. Pretty surprised. I mean, ultimately, like they basically. I mean, I'm <laughs> Pat Miletic. This made me remember that uh, he he stormed the Capitol. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm he told me this. Yeah, I'm surprised he's not like in jail right now. Because like, by the way, Josh, we can't say this comment on air because it get us in trouble. But I just went on Tapology, and this is the first comment I read on Tapology about this fight. Just get, just give me a reaction to the audience. I know, right? Jesus I know. Christ. I mean, by well, the, by the way, hate you that wanna... man. I'm telling you, people hate that man. But hey, I mean, this is. Let me just say, by the way, people, if you want to know what we're talking about, just go on Tapology, look up Mike Jackson, click the the fight itself, like right under confirmed confirm bout cage aggression thirty six. There's a comment section on Tapology. It's the first comment if you want to know what we're talking about. I don't want to say it on air because I don't want to get us in trouble. But if you guys want to read it, there you go. Or we might insert it in a TikTok right here. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. text. It can't get us that much in trouble, right? <laughs> well, I mean, um. I think that uh yeah I mean this this is this fight is the battle for the soul of the nation angel. I mean right? These guys are fighting for American soil, aren't they? <laughs> they really are. They're fighting for for something, you know, like <laughs> I mean I don't know what no I admittedly I don't know what really to, to say about it. I mean it is I'll watch it and this fight's going down in um What do you think a 55-year-old man could do against a 38-year-old man? Yeah. And they, and they both know how to fight. Did you, by chance, have you seen Pat Militich's most recent fight? Wait, Pat Militich just fought recent? Pat Militich fought in a kickboxing match in 2020. And lost. Did it go bad? He, he, so here, here's the kicker. Do you know who Michael Nunn is? Is that a boxer? Have you ever heard the name? Boxer, right? Yes, former boxer, former two division champion. He got arrested, um, for buying a gram of, uh, cocaine. Um, and they, uh, sent him to prison for how many years? I'm looking on his wiki. I don't want to get it wrong, but, um, he was in prison for quite a long time. Like, I wanted, he was, yeah, he was in, in, yeah, that's funny. What a terrible system. He was in prison for 15 years for buying a kilogram of cocaine back in 2002. By the way, I'm, I'm like... Letting this settle in, and I'm still like, what the fuck? Just so, so, here, so hold, this is this is this is this story has layers, dude. Nobody talked about this when it happened. So Michael Nunn got out of prison in 2019, and then I guess like, I guess he needed money or something. So like at like 58, he signed up for a, a kickboxing match with Pat Militich. and you'd think Pat Militich, who was like, I don't know, like eight years younger and like actually knew how to kick, would win. No. <laughs> Very easily lost a decision. Um, so, yeah, I mean, dude, if Mike Jackson – Mike Jackson might have the weirdest resume of all time if he goes out there and beats Pat Militich. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, we will We, we will see, man. We will see. Um, Jesus fight, it just, it, October 14th, that's the day. 
October 14th in Davenport, Iowa. Angel, you want to make the, the road trip to uh... – Jesus. Uh, I would never in a million years. Yeah, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely try to find this. I'm very fucking curious to see how it goes. It's Caged Aggression is the name of the promotion. Bad Blood Part 2. Yes, Bad Blood is the name. So, yeah, it's 55-year-old Pat Miletic coming out of retirement to fight former UFC veteran Mike Jackson. What a what a story, dude. Crazy. Anyways, man, um, bit of a sad bit bit of a sad news. Sad news day. Tyson Nam, who we always give a shout out to because he's one of the few flyweights left that are both like very entertaining and also has a bit of a name. He suffered a split decision loss to, I believe, undefeated, yeah, seventeen to zero Azamet Masakam. Suffered that loss earlier this month, and they've now cut him. <laughs> Just weird. Uh, uh, yeah, man. Um, I think this is a fucking terrible decision. What do you think, man? Oh, no, I'm, I'm the same boat as you. He was very. It's like he was uncompetitive in that fight, anyways. He made the fight. He went to a split decision, like you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. He went to a split decision. New one. No, they dropped. They dropped the ball on this one, dude. They really did. They really. They really fucked up on this one. They're so disappointing. So disappointing, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyson Nam is still one of the, I still think, like, he's so entertaining. Um, and I think he had, he put together a much better UFC run than he had any right to. I mean, it's easy to forget. He took, like, he came in here on, like, short, he, like, got signed the UFC because they needed somebody to fight Sergio Pettis at Bantamweight on, like, six days notice or something. So he got the call in, like, 2019. And he, he dude, he carved out a hell of a run. I mean, he's old as shit for a flyweight. He's 39, so. And, and he was still kicking it, man. He looked he looked pretty decent against a lot of these guys. He's still kicking ass out there, man. I think it's just, I think it's just terrible they cut him. I think that's one of the worst cuts they've made in a long time. Because he's still ranked, I believe. He was, like, ranked coming out of that loss. Granted, how highly ranked do you have to be at flyweight? I mean, yeah. I mean, you still only ranked the 14, 15, but, like, if you have an entertaining guy with a name, a flyweight in a division that people don't care about, it's just weird to cut him. Anyways, man, time to move on because Israel Odessonia called out Sean Strickland. We talked a lot about the Drikas fight. Uh, he said, uh, quote, Dickless Dupussy is not showing up for UFC 293. So, Strickland, you're in. Let's do the man dance. Um, <laughs> do you buy that this fight – do you buy that this is real or do you think it's actually just uh, – is he trying to put some pressure on uh, Tadrikis for a potential fight? I, I believe there may be an unconfirmed injury, is what I heard. So it isn't unre- it isn't an unrealistic situation. Also, Tadrikis has to make a pretty fast turnaround, so it's not uh, you know it's not fully unrealistic. He doesn't want to do that either. But I mean, at the time, it seemed it seemed like he was down. Uh, so I mean, I'm not sure what's going on there. But if he's injured, okay, it makes sense. And if she, and you know, Sean's always DTF, and I mean that in fight and not fight con in terms either. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't have an issue with it, man. Look, no matter what, look, we know the outcome of that fight. But I'm down for the – dude, I love the buildup. I love a shit show. You guys know this. Yeah. And, I mean, well, the good news is that either way, if, uh, you know, if he, if he doesn't end up fighting um, Strickland, he ends up fighting uh, Drikas. The good news is is that the buildup will also be entertaining and a complete shit show. So, <laughs> um, the good news is that no matter what fight you pick here, you know, like it's gonna be a mess. It's gonna be a mess. Only fucking Robert Whitaker was the only thing preventing us from just <laughs> fucking craziness, dude. Um, 
Anyways, man, uh, admittedly, I think the Strickland fight is exciting. I think it's a much easier fight for Izzy than a potential Drikas one, just because Drikas is so dangerous, yeah. especially earlier. But, you know, um, I'm happy for Strickland to potentially get a shot. That'd be fun. You get paid. And this, good for him, you know. And this is I didn't include this in the rundown, actually. But since we're talking about Sean Strickland, um, did you see his back and forth with, with, with TikTok star Keith Lee? Uh, I, you know, it's funny before any of that drama went down, I heard him talk about it on his podcast, how he called Keith a racist or something like that. I don't, I don't know all the exact, the specifics of it, but yeah, he came in and I guess Sean was training and Keith was there or he was training with Kevin and, uh, I guess Keith approached Sean. I could, am I, am I going in the right direction with this, Josh? Do you yeah. Know I mean, yeah. According to, according to Sean, essentially like, uh, Keith. Like, they were all training, and I guess, like, they were, Keith came up to him, and he said, like, Keith Lee was racist, so he started telling him that he was, like, fucking, like, black women or something, just, like, like, he said, like, he said, like, yeah, I knew Keith Lee was racist, so I started saying some racist stuff to him, so it's just, like, <laughs> I, I did, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just bringing it up to see if, not because I don't want to have, like, a whole conversation about it, I'm just curious if you saw it, because I saw Keith Lee. Oh, yeah, uh, I've seen some of it, I, I saw you had a response, I have it, like, Looked into it again. I, I was watching his second podcast episode where I think he addresses it. And I know he tried to like wrangle Curtis into it to like, I don't get on his side or, and Curtis is like, I, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know the full situation, you know, or I was there, but I didn't see what went down, whole deal, you know what I mean? Like, it was a whole. Yeah. Yeah. It was a whole back and forth, man. I, I, I do like, I think the greatest thing to that podcast is really his co-host being Curtis, no joke. For sure. Curtis, I think, I mean, I, I love me some Chris Curtis. I think Kurt, Chris Curtis is the perfect, you know, the perfect guy for that. You don't give a fuck, dude. I, I think that's what makes it perfect. Yeah. Anyways, man, I do think that uh, it's about time to move on. Um, one championship recently announced. Obviously, we're talking a lot about the PFL. They're coming in. They're trying to swing for the fences. They see that the UFC is in a little bit of a weak spot right now. Potentially, they're throwing some haymakers. One championship has entered the field. Uh, obviously, they've always been in Asia, they've always been around, but, like, it's a little bit, they're, they're different, you know what I mean? Like, they're not even on on the same time, the same days. Earlier this year, they, they went to Colorado in May for their first ever event, smashing success. They have, they're not going to be heading to America four times in 2024. The locations have not been announced as of now, but apparently it's just the beginning of what is supposed to be a big move to the States for one championship, essentially trying to get uh, a foothold in the market here, man. Um, what do you think, man? I, I think things are exciting right now in MMA, man. I think the UC is in a bad place, but if you're a fan of MMA in general, it's never been better, you know, like in terms no. of seeing, you know, like the evolution of PFL and one and so on and so forth. What do you kind of think about their, their schedule release? I mean, look, I, the one thing about one that I love is they, they got everything, man. They're really fun to watch. I think they just... And you get the eyes on them in the States and, and, and globally, man. I'm, and look, I'm sure they have great success in the Asian market. You see their Thailand shows doing well and giving opportunities to all those uh, Muay Thai fighters. But uh, there needs to be a little bit more. And I think there's a potential for this to blow up. It's just it needs that that push. You know what I mean? And I don't know what that is. And obviously they're having money issues and all that. But I think being in the U.S. and having shows in the U.S. could potentially be a good thing. And they could get and getting eyes here in the States could be an awesome thing. Uh, it's just uh, – what states are going to let them use their rules and rule set is the other thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so from from what I understand, like, Colorado as of now is the only one to adopt the one rule set. 
Um, however, that being said, uh, a big reason for that is because one championship, not one championship, excuse me, the UFC has targeted athletic commissions, and they've straight up told Colorado, they're like, hey, if you allow one championship to come here, we're not coming. You know what I mean? Which is Just, kind of fucked that they, that, that they put them in that position. Well, they're scumbags. I mean, they're, they're you know, it's not surprising. I mean, do you, it's just... Could you imagine if there was, like, some equivalent of this for the NFL or NBA where it's like, we're not going to do away games here? Yeah, right. For I mean, X and Y reasons. You know what I mean? It's we're just, not, I mean, yeah. They're like, we're not going to do away games here. It's just not going to happen. Like, that's, that's almost what it sounds like, to an extent, right? It's what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's just, you know... I think that the UFC is pretty pretty terrible um, as like as an actual organization. But I will say there are probably going to be other uh, states that will allow them. I, I I don't have any actual inside information on this. I'd be willing to bet Kansas is probably on the list. Could you imagine? State. No, well, I mean, like, like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, mean, like, I feel like it'll be the states that allow bare knuckle that won't give a fuck. You know what I mean? That's possible, but a lot of the states that allow bare knuckle, they just they need money, so they probably wouldn't accept it. But like for for the the current the Kansas Athletic Commission, like, they allow, like, open night tournaments, open scoring. They've been very accessible in terms of doing experimental stuff, and it's not like the UFC fucking comes here anyway, so it's like... Oh, yeah. I look, they, they said they'd come back, though. Remember Dana said he'd come back? Oh, well, that, yeah, but that's that's KCMO. We're talking about... I'm talking about Kansas, strictly. Oh, so you think they do, like, a show in Wichita or some shit, then? Yeah, or they do a show, like, a KCK. Like, there's there's locations for them to do it. I'm just saying, like, because... Kansas itself, this Kansas athletic athletic commission, is very like accessible and willing. Yeah, you, you come on, dude. You're telling me they're not gonna do it in the in the T-Mobile Center? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Come on, Josh. You don't think they'll fill it up? You think they'll sell out a one championship show? <laughs> T-Mobile Center. Goodness gracious, man. But yeah. Anyways, man, I'm excited about this. Excited to see one championship. Kind of, kind of. You know, they're coming on, man. You know. I really um, like to see. You, you want, we want this. I want competition. I want competition. I, I don't. I don't want to have to. You want a know. monopoly. I don't want a monopoly. That's what I don't want because that's bad for everybody involved. But nonetheless, last topic of the day. It's something we actually have not talked about. It's actually like older news, but um, I'm surprised that nobody's. I don't want to say nobody, but like it's like flown under the radar a fair bit. Um, Bryce Hall. Um, I just shocked you with that. I just wrote there, right? Oh shit, you're right. We'll add. We will talk. We'll, hold on. Two things. Hey, two things, folks. We got. We got a couple more things. We're gonna talk about Bryce Hall, who is gonna be fighting in bare knuckle. I was wrong. We do have two more topics. So apologies, guys. By the way, is that is the Bryce Hall thing this weekend, or is that coming up soon? That is August 11th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. BKFC 48. He's taking on G Perez. Bryce Hall is the first ever influencer to step into the bare knuckle boxing ring. You know the thing, I got, I got, I got to respect that. Though. You got to tip it hard. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know if I would do that before just regular boxing gloves. Yeah, I'm very surprised, but I also got to give him props, man. I mean, I've never been a Bryce Hall guy. Um, but I mean, shit, dude. I mean, if you're gonna go in there and fight bare knuckle, also the guy he's fighting G Perez, I believe, like three and zero in bare knuckle. Yeah, dude. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, G Perez, G the Cutman Perez. You should have fought at least like another influencer, right? Or a guy with one win or one loss, right? Nah, man, they're throwing him to the. And the guy that he's fighting is not just three and zero, but three and zero all by knockout. So, Jesus. 
Bryce Hall is stepping into the fucking lion's den, and I gotta give him props, dude. I I never expected an influencer to do this. Yeah, I mean, look, as far as like a street fight, Bare Knuckles is probably the closest thing you get, like all stand up, right, no ground. So I think there is potential if you're like a fucking dog on it with your hands, dude, and and are really throwing, you know, wild shit. Like maybe you could do something, but. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough out, dude. Uh, like I said, it's typical that he's doing it, but fuck, dude, you break, you're, there's a very good chance he's gonna break his hands. At least one of them. There's a, you know, he'll definitely most get fucked up in the face, he'll definitely be cut up, he's filled up for a while, his hands are gonna be swelled up for, for some, some time too. Like, I, I don't know if he's ready to deal with the aftermath of fighting in bare knuckle. Yeah, I mean, that could be a very scary reality once it does settle in. Yeah. But if he gets through it and wins, holy fuck, right? And hopefully this could bring some more uh, influences to bare knuckle, Josh. I, I've said this. I'd love to see more guys do bare knuckle. It's just like I completely understand why they wouldn't want to. Yeah, exactly. But I, I'll say it, dude. I mean, fucking just absolute props to Bryce. i got to say it again. Never in a million years did I expect any influence to ever do this. Um, and it's kind of flying under the radar. I'm surprised more people aren't talking about it because it hasn't really seen like, you yeah. know, like Bryce Hall's not a huge, he's not Logan Paul size, but like in terms of influencer boxing, he's kind of, you know, yeah. it's a pretty big name. So, um, definitely having Bryce, I mean, Jesus Christ, just Bryce Hall fighting BKFC, fucking crazy, dude. Absolutely crazy. Um, nonetheless though, we do have a couple more things to talk about this week. I was wrong, folks. There were the things I almost forgot, but Angel came in clutch at the last second. Because not only do we have UFC 291 going down from Salt Lake City, we also have Bellator X Rising going down from the Sayatama Super Arena in Sayatama, Japan. A stacked, stacked card. Just it's a stacked six- week of fights, Josh. It's the yeah, biggest night in combat boards all year. I don't think anything will come close to it. I completely agree, dude. One, just one week. Not one week, just six months after, like, they're, they, they swept them. They're coming back this week. Come on, do it again. Now, one thing we should know, Angel, I'm not even sure if you saw this, it went very much under the radar. Overnight, I know, I know. Yeah, overnight they announced that uh, A.J. McKee is out of his fight with uh, Patricky Pitbull. However, it's Patricio, correct, that is stepping up here on short notice? No, uh, no, it's it's going to be Roberto de Souza versus Patricky Pitbull. Roberto de Souza versus Patricky Pitbull, excuse me. Not Patricio, excuse me. Could um, you imagine? Yeah. He fights his brother? No, I, I meant like, he was like his, they were keeping <laughs> the original match up and they were sliding Patricio in. I, that's what I meant, but yeah. like, Could you imagine if he fucking... Brother versus brother. <laughs> one day in the notice. tournament? Dude, it would be like, uh, what's that movie? Uh, Warrior? Yeah, exactly. That'd be crazy. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 Angel. They, they, they did announce a fight for Patricio. So Patricio will, Patricky will be taking on Roberto de Souza. Patricio Pitbull will also be taking on Chizuru Suzuki, which was added to the card this week. That's what they announced last night. So I was oh. right. Patricio did get a fight, just not, uh, just not against his brother. So, <laughs> anyways, what do you think of By the way, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but dude, looking at this card on Typology, it's like all fucked. Because they oh, have it, like, separated into, like, yeah, no, it's a, it's a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, on Wiki, same thing. It's pretty fucked. Uh, what do you what do you think about this card, man? 
Uh, we won't have to really break into the matchup just because, like, they've all kind of been fucked up. But um, <laughs> what do you think about it? I mean, dude, it's a banger. I mean, these these shows in Japan are always, like, so fun. These guys always come out and try their heart out. And just the whole atmosphere of it is so fun. And there's titles on the line. Uh, I don't even know if you know this, but, like, Hornets are let us fighting for a title against mm-hmm. Hiromosa Okubo. Like on the like on the on the rising card, uh, Mikuru Asakura is fighting some guy as well. Uh, Topeka Maesai is on the undercard as well, and I'm sure there's more fights that we probably don't know about because this card it's so fucked up trying to look at this card. But as far as the Bellator side of it, like the Showtime side of it, Patricky Bibble, Roberto Sosa, yeah, it'll be fun. But we've seen Roberto Sosa's issues. Koji Horiguchi for the inaugural vacant bantamweight flyweight title in Bellator. Against mm-hmm. Makoto Shinuru. Excited for that. And obviously, Kata uh, Kata Watanabe was better to take a banger. And then obviously, the Italian gangster himself, Josh. We know we love him on the show. Danny Savitella. Oh, yeah. This is Makaved Makaved. Big time fight right there. Curious to see what Danny could do. And look, I mean, one of my favorite guys to watch ever in Bellator. Andre Korshkov versus Lorenz Largan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's an incredible night of fights. That yeah. whole. Uh, if you if you do have if you will be awake at the time, please go check that. Please check it out. It's gonna be super fun. I know I'll be watching it live, and not be spending a stupid amount of money to try to get access to it again. Yeah, that's probably the wise decision. But I mean, hey man, I mean, if you're if you're a fight fan this weekend, like this upcoming weekend, like your your wallet is fucked for what? Your wallet is fucked. You're going to the, Angel. We're going to the local the local Buffalo Wild Wings for this one. I'm so sad because I don't know how I'm gonna like watch all of this and i i really wish i like i do want to buy like one of the cards i'm not gonna lie to you just so i can like comfortably watch it if you know what i'm saying josh and i don't know which one it will be but uh yeah no i mean going into the next one josh i don't know if you have any more thoughts on bellator rising yeah i'm just gonna go ahead and i would say aj is a a big loss though that's aj is is a huge loss but this card is so good i mean Bellator's been killing it lately, man. I mean, they're trying to get a sale done, and they're putting out some big fights in the process. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, man, I mean, like like we mentioned, though, like, if you're a fight fan this week, your wallet, it's fucked. I mean, you have Bellator MMA versus Ryzen going down. You have UFC 291 going down from Salt Lake City with Doug McGoy and Justin Gaethje. You know, you know what could save them some money? Our right. new sponsor of the show, Nord... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine? <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. I mean, you got the rematch between Justin Gaethje and Justin Poirier, Bellator versus versus Ryzen, and you have one of the greatest boxing matches of the year: Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford is going down from Sin City, Las Vegas, this Saturday mm. night. Showtime pay per view. Undisputed welterweight title on the line will crown the first undisputed welterweight champion in the four belt era, Angel. History in the making between Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. Give me your excitement level, dude. I cannot be more anticipative for this fight. It's it's going to be an incredible one. Man. That was so fucking hyped, dude, the way you built that up. Holy fuck. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm pretty good at this shit. I'm pretty good. You had, you had me rolling, bro. You had me cheesing. Holy fuck. Dude, I mean, look, if, you, if you've had any sort of interest in boxing in the last, I'd say, eight years... You wanted this matchup. Probably, right? The last, you know, right? Around that time, six, seven, five years, whatever you want to say. Yeah. You, you've wanted this. 
And we're finally getting it after so long. I mean, Josh, we've been talking about this matchup since we started the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably. I mean, there's probably been some sort of conversation since since way back when, at least between us privately, about this this fight happening, and we're finally getting it. I mean, so much time after, and I mean, this is this is the cutoff for it, right? Like, Bud is 36, going on 37 soon. He's like right there. We'll see if he's still is very well for his age or if he's kind of slowed down a bit or always had some stuff going on in his personal life as well. And, you know, he's, he's on the younger side of it still. Let's see how good he'll look against Bud is, 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 you know, and I feel like the other great thing about this matchup is Josh. I don't think you either fall. The people don't fall in between. You're either a Bud fan or you're either an Earl fan. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say that's pretty accurate. And also like, I saw that um, Mike Tyson is talking about this fight. Shut up, Mike. Shut up, Mike. And I thought Mike put it, like, perfectly. He was like, you know, this is a fight between, like, the master, just a master boxer, and a mean motherfucker. You know what I mean? That's what Mike said about this fight. And I thought, like, you know what? That's pretty accurate, man. That's pretty accurate. I think this is this is going to be a fire fight. This is going to be one for the ages. There are fights where, like, it's, like, built up for years and years and years, and, like, you know that the fight itself's not going to be able to match. Like, Mayweather-Pacquiao was never going to be able to match the fight. I'm just saying. Like, especially, when you, especially when you find out, like, all this shit that was going on. Yeah, of course. Like, fights, the thing is, like, that fight was built up for so long, it was never going to be able to live up to that. These guys are not like that. They're going to go out there, and they're going to swing for the fences regardless of who is across the ring from them. And here's the best part, Angel, is that this is, probably, this is almost definitely not going to be the last time these two are going to fight. Like, there's a rematch clause on both sides of the deal. Um, and I believe that there's also, like, clauses for a potential trilogy down the Like, there's a lot, a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of reason to be excited for this matchup. But what do you think, man? It's the last topic of the day. You know, we don't, we don't get boxing picks. But you got to ask, as of right now, who are you leaning towards? We got the switch hitter, Bud, Bud Crawford. Yeah, man. Yeah, Omaha! Oh, <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 the only thing to ever come into, out of Nebraska. Um, well, shit. I guess Pat Miletich, Mike Jackson's going there. So you know. Oh shit. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um, I'm on the same page. You should have got those guys on the fucking undercard for this weekend, dude. Holy <laughs> shit. Could you fucking imagine co-main event? Right. Right. Um. Nonetheless, <laughs> man. I uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take Bud. I think. Now, granted, I've always. I've always just been a really big Bud fan, so I'm a little bit biased. Um, I just I, I think he has the better power. I think Errol's the cleaner guy, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think Bud hits so hard, and he's like. By the way, Josh, it's yeah. it has some names. I, I'm sorry to cut you off right there. Yeah, yeah, no, Come the undercard stack. Go ahead. Come, come event: Isaac Cruz, Anito Donaire, also on there, fighting or defending. I guess I don't know what's going on here. But WBC World Bantamweight title on the line. So, um. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 something to look forward to there. So, I mean, there's three I'd say three matchups that you want to catch there if you have some sort of interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, the undercard is very very solid. But yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and take Bud. Um, I would not be surprised at all if Arrow won. And I see a lot of people saying, like, you know, like why are so many people picking Bud? It's just like his resume's not as good. But like, look, dude, Bud Crawford is one of those guys that like his resume is admittedly not the greatest. But at the same time, the way that he's just demolished, like, just, God, just demolished him. 
Like, even a guy like Sean Porter, who was, like, just a dog and had early success against Bud, eventually got broken down and knocked down in the 10th. Knocked out in the 10th. You know what I mean? That's his only stoppage loss. So, um, I'm going to take Bud here. I think, like, his resume's not – I think this this is the one. This is the one where, like, Bud, if he goes out there and wins this one, we're like, all right, he's a generational talent. So, anyways, man. Um, any closing thoughts before we go ahead and close out of the show, man? It was a it was a big week, a lot of big fights. I mean, it's 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 a little overwhelming, man. I can't wait to come back and talk about it next week. There'll be so much to watch. It's gonna definitely be hard balancing everything. Because uh, I mean, that's gonna be at least for me. You know me, I work overnight, so it's gonna be a nonstop night from Friday night leading into Saturday, and then into Saturday night on basically into Sunday almost, which is you know staying up late and all that. Um, and also, I don't know how the boxing card and the MMA card are going to clash. So that's obviously uh kind of heavy to be really heavy on me trying to keep up with that. And I, I don't know how you how you do, but I try to watch everything. It's a, it's very overwhelming. Yeah, I try I try to watch everything, but I will say as somebody who's like I do this for like like my living. Like I try to I I have to like try and space stuff out. Like if if I try to watch everything every single like if I try to keep on track for every single event and watch it live, it's just not going to happen. Like it's just like, I just try to fall on my phone, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to happen. This weekend, though, like, this weekend probably be the first time in a while where I'm, like, I'm down I'm down to watch everything that I can. You know what I mean? Like, if anything, yeah. a little bit busy, but still, you know? Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, hell of a week, man. And as far as the show goes, I hope you guys enjoyed. 1,100 subscribers on YouTube. We hit another we hit another mark, Angel. Um, and we appreciate you guys so much for that. Um and I'm at Josh Shivanoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore 01 at Quartz.com. For all things related to the show, we're available on basically every single podcast platform you can imagine. Hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and bug grease. Mouse click.